On today's show, Tari Eason off-season Q&A with the Athletics' Kelly Eco. What he's been working on this off-season, his first real practice in over a year, learning from Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard and so much more, as well as Grant Williams and his thoughts on why Ime Udoka is actually the best coach that he has ever played for. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, Mike, that's the no-look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. Oh! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five. Four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, the X's and O's man, Ali Khan Bijani, who can track down on Twitter or X or whatever it is these days, at Rockets underscore Insider. And today we're going to have our focus set on one Tari Eason, who just did a phenomenal sit-down Q&A with the Athletics' Kelly Eco. I'm going to put a link to the article in the episode description and... Alicon, this is there. There was a lot of really good information that Tari shared about what he's been working on this offseason, some of the things that he's been up to, uh, some of his goals and everything moving forward as a player. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you drive the bus here for a moment. Where do you want to go first in this Q and A session that he had with Kelly? Man, you know I'm gonna start off, and people are like, "Oh, of course he starts off that way." I want to do something on the film. Um, he talked about an area where he's been watching his film and that he's been growing a lot in. And I'm just going to read you the question and answer. And I want to talk to you about it, Jackson. I thought it was really interesting because I think this also applies to Jabari. He said, offensive, uh, Kelly asked him offensively, you were a blur in transition, but sometimes you could have slowed things down and processed them more efficiently in the half court. When you go back and watch your tape, what did you see? Great question from Kelly. Um, Tari's response, quote, playing too upright. That's something I've been really trying to work on. A lot of simple turnovers I had just playing upright, reading the defense. In the NBA, you don't have to necessarily read your man, but read the man after yours. If a guy's in the key for three seconds, you know he's got to get out of there, then you drive. Things like that, unquote. To me, that, that got me the most excited reading this entire article because there's a few things from there. Number one, the concept of him playing upright. When you look at Tari Eason, right, and, and what his role was last year and what his role will also be this year, he's going to have moments where he can attack off the dribble. Maybe we saw that in summer league. They want to see how he does in kind of some pick and roll or easy pick and roll situations, right? Empty corner actions where less there's a, the help defender right there adjacent to him. But I think you're going to see a lot of situations where he's going to attack off the closeout. And he has to be ready, not just 
ready in terms of ready to shoot, right? Be in a stance, but also in a stance of how to attack, get low, right? Uh, how you and I talked about a few episodes ago of Jabari getting low in summer league and getting past his defender. Same with Tari. He talks about he's playing too upright, standing too tall. No, use your body. Use and your it, it worked low. for him sometimes because he's just such a bully yeah. with the ball that he was able to just kind of muscle past guys at times. But I think we did start to see that a little bit in summer league, right, where he was able to be a little bit more. I don't want to say wiggle doesn't really feel like the right word. But it felt like he was able to be a little bit more like, I don't know, slithery on some of these drives where he was getting he, lower and he was able to get yeah. past defenders rather than having to work so hard to body past defenders. He he reminded me a lot of Eric Gordon on his drives. And I think it's, it's an interesting comparison because the way Eric used to do it or still does it is Eric gets low. And then when he gets to where he wants to not spot, instead of going up and uh, going under the player up, towards the rim he uses his broad shoulders to push off right a little bit create some separation that's what tari did a little bit in the summer he got low then he used his shoulder used his big body his big frame upper body got some separation put the shot up got a few and ones as we saw in summer league just by doing that same exact thing so i think that that's that's something that i think is really exciting the last thing he said he said you don't have to read your man but read the man after yours that's something sometimes that some of these NBA players don't even acknowledge until a second or third season. He's already doing that. He's working on that. He already recognizes that, hey, I just have to make sure that the help get the low man, right? It's all about the low man. I have to make sure the low man is going to be in or out of the play before I make my read. So that's some really good stuff. And that, that already tells you that they're already watching film with him and they're working on how he needs to be able to process when he attacks and puts the ball on the floor. You know, we also we've we've seen some uh, brief little glimpses of some of the uh, elite pro runs that our, our good friend of the program, Aaron Miller, has been conducting. And in some of those clips, we're able to see Tari and some of the some of the moves that he makes on the floor. And he does look quite a bit more fluid with the ball in his hands. There's a few moves that he has. He had one where he had the ball like baseline, drove in, had a between the legs crossover, pulled the ball back and went into a mid range turnaround fadeaway and. Well, we don't exactly want Tari like pulling up for mid-range turnaround fadeaways like during the regular season as like a go-to, you know, shot for him. That we don't necessarily want that in his shot profile. Seeing that he has the ability and the comfortability to put the ball on the floor and do stuff like that is going to mean a lot for his game moving forward. Because at this point, we talked about this the other day. We still don't know what Tari is or can be, right? There's so much left kind of unexplored in his game that I almost feel like myself and, and many others have, have done kind of a disservice by basically just labeling him or kind of painting him into the corner of being a 3 and D type guy when he might, we might not have even scratched the surface as to what Tari Eason can be as a player. I like to consider him ceiling ambiguous, ambiguous, ceiling ambiguous, as in like, like we, it, we don't know, like you said, what his ceiling is going to be. I think he could have the highest ceiling out of their core six. He could have the lowest ceiling out of their core six. But I tend to lean towards this guy has the body and the size to be one of their best players, right? But I think he, in terms of two-way ceiling, definitely, right? And so I'm really excited for him. I I, I, I mean, we talked about it a few episodes ago when we were going over his, for his tape in Summer League, but he looks really good, man. And it goes into something else that he talked about kind of what coach Ime Yudoka's role wants him to be. Jackson, you remember he talked about this in the in the article, right? He they, do do you want me to want me to say the quote or do you have it? No, you go go for it. You got it. Yeah. Well, 
Kelly Aslan, you also got to spend some time with Ime Yudoka, someone who emphasizes defense. What have those early conversations with him and the new coaching staff been like? And Tari said, just be vocal, be in the right spots, things like that. As far as my defensive approach, they want me to be locked in. We have an older team now. So for me to be on the floor, I have to be one of the best defenders on the floor at all times. So just really be honed in on defense. That's the biggest thing. Being able to not being able to knock down a consistent shot and play defense, unquote. That that that's it, man. This guy gets it. He knows what he needs to be able to do. He knows his role. He knows how to be successful in that role. J- just now after I finished talking about boxing him in as a three and D guy, he comes out with the quote and he says, "Yeah, I'm going to be a three and D guy." That's clearly how he's going to get on the floor. How he's going to earn minutes with this yeah. team, this iteration of this team starting this next season, right? He he knows he has to be a good defender. And what was funny when you were talking about the offensive side of things, right? Reading where that next guy is going to be, it actually made me think about his awareness defensively uh, of all things, right? Because his awareness and being able to read and understand rotations is also going to impact his ability on the defensive end. That was something that we saw a lot this last year where guys just, they didn't know how to anticipate at times defensively. And so it makes me think that not only is he learning where guys are going to be, how they're going to rotate and how to counter that offensively, that'll help him grow on the defensive side of the ball, understanding where and when he needs to be in certain spots on the floor. There's other parts of this article that really stood out. Another film question that that Kelly asked that was really impressive with a great answer from Tari, as well as him talking about real practice, which we're going to get to here in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Are you finally taking that summer vacation that you've been planning, but you're dreading buying all the different necessities that you need before you take your time off? Look, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. Just link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that simple. Other apps give you points that don't really amount to much. With I bought it. You get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or even gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and so many more options. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Player App Store and use code LOCKED. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, elsewhere in this Q&A, Kelly had the chance to ask Tari, he said, from a film standpoint, the amount of attention to detail it takes to be a successful NBA player is large. You spent a lot of time breaking down film with assistant coaches last season. How much of that do you do on your own? Do you watch any other players? Tari's answer I thought was really interesting. He goes, this summer I've watched a lot of film. Watched a lot of Jimmy Butler, a little bit of Kawhi Leonard. But I watched a lot of my film from the season. Things that I can improve, little things. I watch with me or my high school coach. He lives out here. I'm watching film a lot more this summer. And then he also gave the the point about you know standing up too straight, being playing too upright um, before kind of building on that uh, that part of his answer in the follow-up question from Kelly. But what stood out here is Kawhi Leonard, Ali Khan was a guy that, you know, 
Tari drew some comps to Kawhi when he was first coming out, right? You look at his build, you look at his massive hands, the way that he impacts the game with his physicals, and there were some parallels to be drawn there. Like, maybe he would have some Kawhi Leonard-esque ability. Now, their games are, I think, pretty different, unfortunately, at the end of the day. Kawhi plays this weird, like, combo guard, power forward. Like, I, I don't know. Kawhi's game is very unique at the end of the day in today's He's Kawhi. He's Kawhi. There's no other way to describe it. Um, But when you look at their physical gifts, when you look at what both of those guys can do on the floor, and then especially from the defensive side of things, I think that easily you can see a world where Tari Eason has a ceiling that at least looks like Kawhi Leonard defensively. He may not ever become that polished and that much of a go-to number one option scorer offensively, but if he can have a Kawhi Leonard level of impact on the defensive side of the ball, that is an all-NBA caliber player by itself, regardless of what he becomes offensively. You know, the, there was there was this thing that um, existed when he played with the Spurs, this moniker. It was called Kawhi Island. Um, basically, it's like you would put Kawhi on one guy, and that will shut down that guy. Wait, did they really not call it Kawhi Island? Like, they probably did. I'm just probably forgetting. This is this is like 2014, man. Okay, okay, yeah, it's been it's been. This a is a. Yeah, um, back in the prime I, of my youth, Aiken, it's a Revis Island, you know, like like you you put a guy, you kind of shut down that entire side of the side of the field, right? Same in this case, you shut down that side of the quarter, you kind of take away that play or that person from the play, what they were supposed to do. Um, I think Tari can't be like that guy. He needs to get better in terms of his positioning. I think when we were talking about the whole upright thing, that's not just with offense, it's also with his defensive tech, uh, his just defensive kind of just fundamentals. He has to be able to be in a better position. And that's how he will not give up those back doors and beat her low man and help man. If he's able to not be as straight up with his body. Um, now, one interesting thing he brought up was he watched, he said, I watched a lot of Jimmy Butler, a little bit of Kawhi Leonard. Okay. So if you watch a lot of Jimmy Butler, I wonder what parts of Jimmy Butler's game you watched because when I'm looking at some of those open runs that our friend Aaron posted. Some of the offensive bag looks a little Jimmy-esque. It looks a little Jimmy-esque. There was a couple, there was a possession where he backed down the guy and had a little turnaround jumper and it looked nice. So not saying that we're going to see that, but the fact that he's watching Jimmy tape, he has a big body. He can do that. He has a long wingspan, so he has a high release if he wants to work on that. That's something that really excites me, if you can make that and package that together for the regular season. I'm curious. Let let us know in the YouTube comments if you could have Tari emulate or try to stylize his offensive game after one of those two guys, Kawhi or Jimmy. Who do you think who whose game is better suited for what Tari can bring to the table? Would you would you rather him try to model his game after Jimmy or Kawhi Leonard? Let us know your thoughts in the YouTube comments. Um, I will say it's also worth noting that you know when you talk because obviously Jimmy is also an incredible defender as well. Um, Tari's impact is going to be insane on the defensive side of the floor. In fact, it already is insane when he when he plays. Um, this was brought up the other day by the. Uh, draft dummies on Twitter, and they shared the fact that the Rockets had a 3.9 net rating when Tari and Shingun were on the floor together this past season. That kind of already goes to show that 
Shingun and whatever perceived like defensive limitations or weaknesses that he has can absolutely be mitigated if you put good defenders around him. If you put other players around him that can help kind of make up for some of those weaknesses. And Tari is clearly a guy that can already do that. He's a guy that you can put in there, whether you run Tari at the three or you're running him at the four. You could run a jumbo size lineup and you could do Tari at the three, Jabari at the four, and Shingun at the five and have guys that can help, again, close up, you know, fill some of those gaps on the floor, take away driving lanes, occupy space, guys that are first and foremost defenders in their mind to help make up for the fact that that isn't necessarily Shingun's forte, right? It's not that he doesn't, it's not for lack of trying on the defensive side, but you need pieces around him to cover cover him on that end. And Tari is clearly one of those pieces. You know, a lineup I'm really excited about going into the season um, is Fred, Dylan, whoever they want to put a small forward, Tari and, and LP. I think that can be a really good. Wouldn't Dylan just be the small lineup. forward? No, I said Fred Dylan. And then you said whoever they put it small forward. Yeah, but I mean, it could be Jalen, it could be KPJ, it could be, it could be Jabari. I mean, whoever they want to put in that role. But then Tari and LP. I just want to point so out what, that that would be the two guard, not the small forward. I know we're oh arguing semantics God. here, but like, well, is this a four? Just basically <laughs> adding one extra player, whoever that extra player is going to be. There but we go. I really, I'm really excited about that. That you know, that quartet of players and whoever they put with them uh, at the five. Um, another guy who I'm not saying they're similar, but in terms of people who thrive playing under Ime Udoka, Grant Williams. And Grant Williams had some really interesting things to say about Ime Udoka. And I think I want to use that as a parallel to what Tari Eason, I think it also bring to the team. Right, Jackson? Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I want to get to the Grant Williams stuff. Do we do we want to do the Grant Williams part first, or do we want to get to Tari's comments about practice first? Because the practice stuff we cannot skip. Okay, let's do practice stuff. Okay, because Tari had this beautiful answer when asked kind of about just, just waxing poetic about summer league and the decision to play and the experience, and, and this was an insane quote. He goes, for me, I was just ready to play basketball. Me and Jabari had conversations about it. We said we just wanted to go out there and be the two best players in summer league if we play. We did that. As far as playing, I love to play. Any opportunity I have to play, I'll play. I actually wanted to play more. And we know, I've mentioned on here that uh, both Tari and and Jabari were upset that they got shut down. They wanted to keep playing, but the Rockets were like, no, 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 you you guys are done. Um, Tari continues on to say, Our plans were to win the whole thing. They got to the championship without us. It was a really good summer league team. I can really say that. The difference from last year and this year's practice, the intensity, guys getting after it, diving on the floor, it was a real practice. It felt like a real practice, like I was almost back in college. I told the guys before we even got there that it was a really good team, so credit to those guys as well. I just want to point out that Tari Eason had an entire season of NBA basketball under his belt and had to highlight the fact that this was the toughest practice that he had had since his college days at LSU. Now, what does that tell us about what his rookie season was like, Alicon? They were in real practices, man. Look, I'm, I'm going to be that guy. It's a new season. We get rid of last season. We don't talk about it. We're focused on what's going into the season. But man, when you talk about Jabari and 
Tari and Tai Tai and just how the development was last season and everything, a quote like that can't be just swept under the rug. Um, I'm going to choose you know, what, you, know, you, know, the- you know what he shared? And in that quote, right, He said, guess what he said? Do you remember what he said? It's, it's the key words here. He said, guys, we're getting after it, Ali Khan. They're not getting after it like they're supposed to. <laughs> oh, my God. He did say guys getting after he it. He said guys are getting after it. Steven Silas made an impression on him. Clearly. That's all I can say. Clearly. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, no, look, look, he 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 did say that in his quote that they were a good summer league team and all this stuff, but the practice, the intensity, that's that's all credit to Ben Sullivan, all credit to the coaching staff who was there in summer league, and credit to you look up for trying to establish a culture already with the summer league team throughout offseason workouts, and it's going to continue going to the season from what you and I have heard so far. No, absolutely. And there is a guy that you already kind of pointed out earlier. Um, Jump the gun a little bit. We did this out of order. You're the worst. Um, no, we're, we're going to get to Grant Williams because he had some interesting comments about what it was like to play for Ime Odoka and how that experience playing for Ime uh, was different than playing for Brad Stevens and now Joe Missoula and how he actually viewed Ime as the best of those three coaches and kind of what that means and kind of what we can expect moving forward with Ime as the coach of the Rockets. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. All right, so... Grant Williams recently joined J.J. Redick on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three, and the two got to talking about Grant Williams' experience with the Boston Celtics, and J.J. Redick asked him a really good question about being coached by Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka, and most recently, Joe Mazzula, and his answer was pretty insightful. When you think about the coaches you've played for, Brad and Ime and Joe, is there something that stands out about them? Is there something that you've taken from each one of those guys? Yeah, so Brad, I always say, was a great X's and O's coach. He was a great like analytics guy. He followed that and followed the numbers, but also did a good job of like making sure that like, we drew up a play. He felt like he was directly involved. Uh, while Ime, I felt like he was the best of both worlds. He was able to not only do X's and O's, defense, and everything like that, and has, has a grit to him that allowed him to relate to players in a personal level that allowed him to challenge guys to be the best they could possibly be while also having the respect enough to understand that he doesn't have to challenge them always. He can lift them up too. That's why I think that Ime is probably the best one I've played for. And then with Joe, he's similar to Brad in the sense that he's like very analytic, but he also has an offensive-based mind. He'll um, provide the team with a great mentality of, of pace and spacing and, and open shots and threes, which is this new generation and new age. Okay. So, Alec, the thing that really stood out there when he's highlighting the differences between the three coaches, and it's worth noting that all three of these coaches had a, an immense amount of success with this kind of iteration of the Boston Celtics, right? With Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown as the two best players, Marcus Smart a part of that core, yeah. Grant Williams part of that core, all these guys. Um, I, the way he said that he is able to challenge players, but also lift them up and connect with them, right? And that that level of, he talked about the grit and being able to relate to players and all that, that's something that I, no matter how good you might be with as a coach, you might know all the X's and O's in the world, you might be the smartest guy in whatever room you walk into. But being able to resonate with these players 
and being able to get them to buy into whatever you're trying to teach them, whether it's something offensively, whether it's a defensive scheme, whether it's just getting them to try harder, to fight, to not give up, all those little things. That's what it feels like Ime is going to be able to bring, as well as being a bona fide, qualified head coach in those other facets of the game, knowing the X's and O's, all of that. But as a former player, being able to get those players to buy into the message that he's preaching as their leader, as their coach, is going to be invaluable. And it's really what's felt like has been missing for this Rockets team for a few years now. I really liked how Grant talked about how he utilized, or Ime, Grant talked about how Ime utilized grit and had that grit to be able to not only connect, but then also leverage the X's and O's and other acumen that he had. And he notice how he went out of his way to mention the defense, right? He mentioned the defensive X's and O's. With Joe, he mentioned the offensive principles. With Brad, he talked about how after time Allison getting him into position and all those things, which we know Brad Stevens to be an excellent tactician. But to go out of his way to mention, he may not only with the X's and O's, but with the ability for defensively to do that. And then also have that divide of knowing, Hey, this moment I have to be a motivator through uplifting and, and, and optimism and confidence. And the other one, I have to, you know, get these guys in check and let them understand, Hey, what you're doing is not right. And put them in better positions. That's great to hear. And I think for players like Jalen green, Jabari Smith, who have these expectations over them, and you're expecting to take these next steps to have that kind of guy to push and pull buttons, right? To push and figure out when to st- take a step back. That's going to be such a big key for them moving forward. And I'm really excited to see how he can really mesh together all these different personalities. We talk about six different players in their core six. Each of them has a different perspective on the way they viewed basketball and their role in the court. But most importantly, they all have different personalities, Jackson. And it's a job to be able to mold those different personalities. And from the way Grant talks about him and what we saw in Boston, he can do a good job of that. It may take a few months, but the excitement for Rockets fans should be there that this guy has done it before. And with this type of team, he can do it again. And he's done it with, and I mean, obviously he did it with the entirety of the Boston Celtics, but very specifically, there are two talented guys at the top, right? Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. He got those guys to buy in. He got those guys to start playing a more unselfish brand of basketball. He he elevated them as both playmakers, as defenders, as guys that were the true leaders of that team. Maybe not the, the heart and the soul leader that Marcus Smart was, but as the two best players, the guys that had to lead by example on that team. That's what Ime has talked about. His message has been very clear and very consistent ever since becoming the Rockets' next head coach, talking about he wants these guys playing unselfish. He wants them to prioritize defense. He wants them playing the right way. He wants to make these guys well-rounded players. He talked about wanting to make Jalen Green a more well-rounded player. We know he can score. What else can he do to impact winning basketball besides just putting the ball in the basket? And that's what Ime brings to the table, man. It's going to be really exciting to see how he kind of juggles all of this and what he decides to prioritize. And like you said, some of the different lineups and all the different permutations and just everything that he's got on his plate moving forward with this team. But we do have a couple other headlines that we wanted to include in today's episode. Uh, Not quite enough headlines to do a full blown headline roulette episode, more so just uh, like these are like footnote headlines that we're going to include here. Um, So first of which, 
Uh, the Rockets did actually bring in, they officially signed five new names. So these are a, a combination of an additional two-way spot as well as training camp deals uh, that they decided to bring in. Uh, guys that you'll be familiar with because they played on the Rockets Summer League team. So, well, three of them did. So the Rockets are signing, or have signed, I should say, Nate Hinton, Matthew Mayer, uh, Joshua Obisi, who was not on the Summer League team. Uh, Jermaine Samuels Jr. locked down the Rockets' third two-way roster spot. And then Nate Williams. So the Rockets bringing in five names. Uh, those are guys coming in, basically training camp type deals uh, to be on the roster. Guys that they'll be carrying at least through training camp more than likely. I believe the Rockets have two more slots that they can carry uh, right now, Alicon. I think they've got two more like regular roster spots open, if I'm not mistaken. I, I would have to go back and double check. I just want to make a quick comment on those guys you mentioned. Jermaine Samuels was somebody who impressed them before and during summer league. He is somebody who is a name to watch for me because the coaches, especially the coaches who work with him in summer league really liked him. And, and I think that's just a guy who can watch if he can knock down some shots and continue to play some good defense. Could he earn himself a two-way spot? Even potentially could he earn himself something much better? So let's let's see what happens, but he's a name to watch. And it's worth noting that, that even though Samuels has the two-way spot right now or has the two-way contract. Those two-way contracts are so fluid. They don't impact the bottom line hardly, right? So it's yeah. just, it's one of those things where right now it's Samuels, it's Trevor Hudgens, and it's Darius Days. It could be all three of those guys once we get to opening night. It can shift. It, it could be none shift. of those three guys by the time we get there. So the two-way spots are very much still up for grabs. Um, it's just that's where the Rockets have those two-way spots allocated at this current point. So... Some names to watch out for. I'm glad they. I'm glad they wanted to bring back Matthew Mayer too, right? Like the, the you know just having a guy that is that big that is you know able to shoot the ball as quickly as he can. You know, kind of a dead eye shooter, but also not just a shooter, right? We've talked about this. He he wasn't. It wasn't just Gary Bird where that's pretty much all Gary Bird could do on the floor. He was a hustle guy and he was a guy that could come off screens and shoot. Mayer's a yeah. little bit taller. He can rebound and he moved pretty decently on defense as well. So. I kind of like the thing with Matthew Mayer. Yeah, the thing with Matthew Mayer, man, offensively is what can he do besides the things we know he can do? And I know that sounds really like cliche or like basic, but what I'm trying to say is we know he can shoot the ball. When he gets the ball, he puts the ball up. But how can he shoot the ball within the movement of an within the flow of an offense? Is he coming off an actions and off of pin downs and knocking down shots? Is he standing in the corner or top of the key and spacing properly and knocking out shots? Or is he running to the ball and getting the shot and putting it up? So so those are the types of things we have to be able to see. It's good you can knock it down a shot, but can you knock down a shot and play within the flow of the offense and also be serviceable defensively? And that's going to be the key for him to be able to earn himself either a two-way spot or at least a chance to play with a G League team going into the next season. Our second of three headlines here at the tail end of today's show, Chuck Hayes. Hurts. He's headed to the Bay Area. He'll be joining the Golden My State Warriors. Team. Oh no, stop. You are the you are the worst. He's gonna be joining the Warriors front office. So not only do we have to deal with Chris Paul being sent to the Bay, we also have to deal with Chuck Hayes leaving the Rockets front office to go over there, which it's it's a loss, right? Like the Rockets front office has you know, I guess the from the Daryl Morey era and, and now bleeding into the Rafael Stone era, they've 
taken some strong, you know, strong footing elsewhere across the NBA landscape, right? Chuck was a really important part of the Rockets front office and his insight was really invaluable to them. And he was a guy that was able to help relate to and connect with some of the players on the team, that kind of thing, because obviously his playing days aren't that far behind him. And he's a lot, he's a guy that a lot of people in the organization have the utmost respect for. So losing him hurts and it does kind of add to a little bit of that, that, you know, maybe that brain drain where the Rockets front office, you know, five years ago was maybe one of the best front offices in the NBA with a bunch of really bright up and coming minds and a lot of really, you know, involved former players, scouts, personnel, player development, all of that. Um, I say player development, that's coaching. Sorry. Didn't mean to include that one. That's a buzzword. Um, but losing Chuck, you know, kind of hurts the front office a little bit. So obviously wish him the best of luck in his endeavors in the Bay. Hopefully not too much good luck over there for the Warriors. Um, but sucks to see Chuck go. Hey man, you, you shut me, you shut me down when I said that I'm a fan of the Golden State Warriors. Don't make me wear my Golden State Warriors shirt next week on the show, man. All right. We already know you're a, we already know you're a Grizzlies fan. Hush. We I'm already, gonna wear my war I'm wearing my Warriors shirt next week on the show. Oh God, he's gonna do it and it's gonna be the worst. Uh, all right. Um, well, one one real quick thing about Chuck Hayes. Okay. Not only was Chuck Hayes one of my all time favorite players, and I had a I had a very much like, oh my God moment when I first met him at Toyota Center. Uh, when I was when I used to attend games, um, he he was a very impactful person in 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 that organization. His voice really mattered. He was the assistant director of pro player personnel. He started off as a scout. He had a lot of really really important insights for this team, and I think this is a really good opportunity for him to be able to move up and get an opportunity to be you know in a position where he can be in charge of an organization and I wish him nothing but the best because Chuck Hayes is a great person um, in, in a basketball mind. And I'm really, you know, eager to follow him in his career. Shout out to the Chuck wagon. Um, I, it was cool. Like meeting him for the first time at Toyota center. I met him years ago at the airport um, back when the Rockets Mark Berman. Are you Mark Berman or something? <laughs> no, no, no. This was, Oh man, it was so funny. No, he was getting ready to fly out. He had just gotten signed to a 10-day contract with the Rockets. Um, this was like tail end of his career. And I, this was like so at some point in the James Harden era. And he got signed to a 10-day contract. And I remember he was flying out. They The Rockets had a game against the Clippers like the very next night. And he was flying out to L.A. to go join the team because they just signed him to a 10-day deal. I don't remember if – I don't think they ever like re-upped the 10-day deal. But I remember seeing him in the airport with my dad going – and I was like – I was like from, afar, from far away, I was like, Dad – I think that's Chuck Hayes. Like, and we were just, and he was so like wholesome. And like, I ran up to him and I was just like this eager little kid, like so excited to meet him. And I just ran up to him. I was like, Chuck. And he was like, yeah, what's up, man? Um, he had like nobody around. Like it was, you know, late night at the airport, like, you know, and Chuck's, Chuck's so, a big dude, but he's not like a, you know, massive seven foot. You get a so. picture with him. I did not you get, get a picture with him. him. I wish I did. I, I don't have a picture with him either. Like, you know, so there's a, just for Rockets fans, there's a, it's like his journalist journalism code. We yeah. don't take pictures with no. anybody we meet. Um, but man, I, I just the 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 young Olicon was very much like, man, I would love to get a picture with Chuck Hayes one day because I love Chuck Hayes. When he got his first ever triple double with the team, oh my god, what a great moment for me. Chuck so, Wagon, um, man. He's he's he is easily on the list of like all time Rockets role players for sure. Yeah. Um all right, last headline here. Uh Alper and Shingoon is going to be playing for Turkey, Turkey's national team. 
So should be uh, a lot of fun to watch him in the, uh, what is it, the Olympic qualifying tournament. Yeah, there we go. Um, we'll keep you guys posted for everything that LP does here, just like we did last year. Um, all the I'm, overseas action. Is it, um, if I'm not mistaken, Dylan Brooks is playing for Canada. So Correct. we have Dylan Brooks and we have Alper and Shangun. Am I missing anybody else? I, I'm trying to think. Is there um, who else would be playing? J- oh, Jalen Green's on the USA USA Select team, so he might not be right. That's like the secondary team in case they need replacements. Right? He's not on the main yeah. team. Okay. No. Yeah, he's not on the main team. Okay. So I guess Jalen Green is a potential alternate, so we'll keep a lookout for that. But past that, I don't think... Oh, uh, Jock Landale? Is he going to play for Australia? He might be playing for Australia. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. All right, we're going we're gonna to look into a, a Jock Landale and anybody else who might be playing, but we know for sure Dylan Brooks, Canada, Alper and Shingun, Turkey, any other FIBA rockets action that is going to be going on we'll have you covered for that right here on locked on rockets of course breaking down what those guys are doing playing overseas alec anything else you want to add before we shut it down no man uh just follow me on twitter rockets underscore insider um happy to be back man i know it's it's august we appreciate you listening uh we'll have a lot of really good content over this next month right with lp with dylan some other surprises coming your way, right, Jackson? We have a surprise coming up for our listeners. Something something um, a little special up our sleeves, potentially. We're getting after it like we're supposed to. Oh, so. man, where's the... They're not getting after it like they're supposed to. Yeah, so well, we're getting after it. We're like Tari. We're getting after it, so... Real uh, real we'll practice. Re- re- real, real podcast hours. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah no, thanks, Jackson. Talk to you guys soon. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.